Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. I extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us for the first time. If you have questions about this faith or about this congregation, don't hesitate to ask the people at the visitor table, and they will do their best to help you out. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. So it is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words by which we light our chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek to find, and to share. Good morning. My name is Margaret Borden. Our call to worship this morning is titled Call to Worship in Action by Sharon Wiley. It is said that ministers are here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I say we are all afflicted and we are all comfortable. May our time together this morning be a comfort and a confrontation. May we here find peace in times of tumult. May we here invite tumult into lives of peace. May we here find calm in times of restlessness. May we here allow restlessness to evolve into action. Let this be the place you consider what you've never considered. Let this be the place you imagine for yourself something new and unthinkable. May this hour bring dreams of new ways of being in the world. Come, let us worship together. People wonder, since we are a non-creedal denomination, we don't have a creed, which has a list of things we must believe, what holds us together? One of the things that holds this congregation together is its mission statement, which is a living thing, You guys wrote it, and next year we're going to revisit it and write another one. We will also write that one on the wall and say it every Sunday, like we do now. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our reading this morning is What We Do Matters by Laura Horton Ludwig. Spirit of life and love, we are here because we believe what we do matters. We are here because we believe how we live our life matters. That with every act of kindness or meanness, courage or fear, love or hate, we are weaving the fabric of the universe that holds us all. We are here because we need encouragement, because we need strength, because so often we get distracted. We get in a rush. We don't think. We choose the easy way when the harder path is what our spirits truly long for. We are here because none of us is perfect, but together we inspire one another to try again, to take another step. 
We are here because we have felt the stirrings of love and grace in our hearts and hands, and we crave more of that for ourselves, and not only for ourselves, for everyone. We are here because how we live matters. Blessed be. Now we come to the time in our service when we breathe deeply together as we follow the breath down into our bodies. We seek that place of stillness. In the still place, we can rest. Sometimes our heart feels exhausted. And sometimes we have the energy to hold in our hearts those who are suffering and fearful, those who are ill, those who are in trouble. Sometimes all we can do is seek to be still. Let us now enter the wise silence together, remembering that tiny child noises and the noises of life are a part of silence in this congregation. The text for my sermon this morning is a very long poem by Dr. Rebecca Parker, who is recently retired as the president of our Unitarian Universalist Seminary in Berkeley, California. The title of her poem is Choosing to Bless the World. Now, just that title itself would have riled up my people that I grew up with because um, the scripture, one of the scriptures that they paid attention to in the, in the branch of Christianity in which I was raised is uh, love God and hate the world. So you got to hate the world. You got to not be really in the world. You got to be in it, but not of it. You got to, um, there are all kinds of ways of, of avoiding being worldly. A worldly is a word that you use for people who, you know, like it too much here. People who enjoy good clothes and fine wines and things like that. Little insignificant things that uh, are too, too worldly. And it's not just that branch of Christianity that wants you to have that kind of attitude toward the world. Um, it's quite possible that I don't understand uh, this whole um, illusion thing. But one of my um, spiritual teachers from whom I've learned a lot in the past, just sent out a newsletter that said, you know, everything will be fine as long as you just realize that everything is an illusion. And I was just like, oh. I, I just don't know how that helps. How does that help? I, I'm sure somebody's going to explain it to me in the line uh, after church, but... I... I I just think it's good for the planet to open your eyes and, like, live here. Live here with the other people who live here. And deal with what's happening here. And Yeah. 
And I just don't know how it helps with any of that if you just go, oh, none of this is real. And anyway, that would just make me want to take a nap. (laughs) Here's part one of this four-part poem. Your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting. Any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Any of these can draw down the prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. You must answer this question. What will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. Many of us have spent this last week looking at images on our television from Baltimore and feeling it again, another unarmed black man or armed with a uh, Swiss Army knife or whatever he had. Another one given an unofficial death sentence for a petty crime or no crime at all. We don't know yet. It happens once a month. And it's happening too often for us to go to sleep again about it. So white people are having to look at the fact that some law enforcement officers are behaving with a brutality toward people of color that we, as white people, don't experience. My cousins, when we were growing up, when we were all teenagers, they had a room at the jail with their name on it. They they would toss firecrackers out of the windows of their cars. I mean, they were, they were bad boys, but their daddy was a doctor, and so, you know. And my Uncle Lindsay, who was a doctor, almost got arrested for shooting off a cannon in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, just to celebrate a wedding, and the police did come. Anyway, it's another story. And we wondered why uh, it took the destruction of a business to bring the national attention to Baltimore? Why the destruction of property? Why not, when the protests were peaceful and nonviolent, why did the national eye not turn to Baltimore as strongly as it turned when, as soon as there was fire, everybody was there? And the brutality had been going on for 100 years, and the protests had been happening, and yet when somebody burned a building down, everybody suddenly paid attention. And it took a video from South Carolina for most of us to say, oh my goodness, uh, we're just watching this police officer shoot this guy in the back who's running away, and then he goes and gets some evidence to plant on the body. We watched it happen. And so we think, gosh, maybe there are some police officers who will tell a story that's not true. Um, And that is not what I learned as a child. And my heart is broken every time that happens. 
and I feel rage. And I'm not alone. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that rage? What do we do with that brokenheartedness? Do we despise our neighbors who are out there having drinks on the patio under the trees with the lights? Do we, do we say, oh, they're so shallow. They must not really know about the earthquake in Nepal. They must not remember about the girls kidnapped still in captivity by Boko Haram. They must not understand about the, about the unaccountability of some police forces and the, their policing techniques. They're not thinking about the filth pouring into our water systems. They're not thinking about the water tables being hurt by fracking or the, the fact that Oklahoma has two earthquakes a day now instead of two a year. And we're, they are so uh, out of it. Look at them dancing and drinking and having fun. The answer is no, we don't sneer at our neighbors. Somebody in the first service went, oh. (laughs) So not only do we not sneer at our neighbors, not only do we not look down on people who are having fun, we join them. We join them for drinks on the patio. We go dancing. We enjoy this beautiful Texas spring out under the trees with the lights in them. Because there is ugliness in the world, but there is awesome beauty as well. Both exist side by side, and we have to hold both in our hearts, our minds, and our spirits at the same time. Here's part two of the poem by Dr. Parker. The choice to bless the world can take you into solitude, to search for the sources of power and grace, native wisdom, healing, liberation. More, the choice will draw you into community, the endeavor shared, the heritage passed on, the companionship of struggle, the importance of keeping faith, the life of ritual and praise, the comfort of human friendship, the company of earth, the chorus of life welcoming you. None of us alone can save the world. Together, that is another possibility waiting. So we choose to bless the world and community here at First UU by doing all of these things. We have an endeavor shared. This is our endeavor right now. It caused me tremendous anxiety. I don't know about you when I said we were going to revisit it next year and maybe change it. I just went inside. So if you did that too, it's okay. We can leave it the way it is too if we want to. But we gather as a community to bless the world. We gather to nourish other people's souls, to have our own lives transformed, or to have our own souls nourished and transform a life of another person. We try to do that. Together, we share that endeavor, and that's one way that we bless the world. And we bless the world by passing on our heritage. In our children's religious education, and our adult religious education, in our new member classes, in our services, we teach our heritage, we teach our history, we teach our values, we teach the bravery and wisdom of our forebears and the ways that they did justice, and we teach the mistakes that they made, too. All of those are very instructive. And we also live ritual and praise. And those rituals help save the world. When we light candles, when we sing together, when we 
have lunch together, when we teach the children or support those who do teach the children, when we bid one another goodbye when the time comes, those rituals help save us and save the world. We've had a lot of goodbye rituals in this congregation. We've had a lot of loss this year. We've bid goodbye to people who are very dear to us. And we come together and we say the same words and we lighten our grief by sharing it and we keep our memories alive by sharing them. And we remind one another that love does not die with death. We still love the people that we loved before, even though they're not physically here anymore. That love for them lives inside us. And we sit out in the spring evenings and enjoy the life of our town and our friends, and we enjoy the parts of our bodies that still work. Because it would be wrong to give up enjoyment to grief. And it would be wrong to give up fun to fight the powers. And yet we do still gather to fight the powers, the powers of injustice. And we struggle together and share that struggle as well. And it's a good thing because one voice raised for gun safety or one voice raised for fairness for immigrants or one voice raised for more accountability in policing is not heard the same way that a gathered voice is heard. So when we come together and we become the yellow shirts, as one person said, we want you all to come. We want the yellow shirts to show up. When we go talk to legislators or when we stand witness at detention centers like they did yesterday or when we repair someone's home like they also did yesterday or shelter homeless men in the wintertime, we are letting our presence be felt and we're blessing the world. And we can have joy in doing those things together, and we can have fun. Justice does not have to be grim. Here's part three of the poem. The choice to bless the world is more than an act of will, a moving forward into the world with the intention to do good. It is an act of recognition, a confession of surprise, a grateful acknowledgement that in the midst of a broken world, Unspeakable beauty, grace, and mystery abide. There is an embrace of kindness that encompasses all life, even yours. So this is the place where I would have to fight with Dr. Parker, um, in a very gentle way, of course. Because she says the world is broken, and I know she's a, she's a Unitarian Universalist and a Methodist. She has dual ordination. And I think she's still in the Christian paradigm when she says this world is broken, that's a Christian paradigm, where, um, and not only a Christian, but it's one of the paradigms that, that they live in, because there's a belief that the world once was different, that it was whole, and now it's broken. But in my belief system, which of course has no bearing on what you all have to believe at all, um, this is the earth, and this is the way it is, and this is the way it always has been. And there's always beauty, and there's always ugliness, and we humans do what we do. We're not trying to make the world back into something it used to be. We're trying to live the best we can and create beauty here and alleviate suffering here and add to the joy here. And we're just part of the planet, and that's we're doing what we're doing. We, we can't fix everything, but we do what we can. 
And we've all had that experience of that embrace of kindness, I hope. And I hope we've had the experience of being part of an embrace of kindness for someone else. And if we haven't, there's still time so that other people can feel the kindness. And I want us to take the same kind of ferocious joy in learning to be kind as we take in being right. If you are anything like me, you have just a fierceness about being right, about grammar. And for me, it's apostrophes and commas. I know where they should go. And I want to tell people who don't know where they should go. And I want to feel as passionate about being kind as I do about being right. And we are so right also about history, and we're right about politics, and it's delightful to be right. And yet, um, may we still find the same delight in being kind. Part four. And while there is injustice, anesthetization, or evil, there moves a holy disturbance, a benevolent rage, a revolutionary love, protesting, urging, insisting, That which is sacred will not be defiled. Those who bless the world live their life as a gesture of thanks for this beauty and this rage. I love that permission to be grateful for the rage. It's there anyway. The beauty is there. We know to be grateful for the beauty. But the idea of being grateful for the rage, a benevolent rage, I love that phrase of hers, where we long for things to be better, not only for ourselves, but because our liberation is bound up with the liberation of all people, we have a rage on the behalf of people who are under the thumb of their culture or our culture. My faith leads me to believe that we are here to live in this world This time, we're not waiting for anybody to come back. We're not waiting for anybody to fix it. We are the people we're waiting for, and we're already here. So ours is not an otherworldly faith. Ours is a faith of being here in this world now and blessing this world. Now, a lot of people use the word bless to mean send good wishes, which is a good meaning for the word. The I Ching says that to bless means to help. The Hebrew word for blessing, barech, means to draw God down into a thing, a person or a situation, to expand it with the holy, to saturate it with the divine. I love that definition of blessing. How would you imagine drawing God down into a conversation or into a situation? It's good to wonder about that. This world can break your heart and will over and over again. And time will break your body. And we can choose to bless and not curse with all the powers we have available to us and all the powers we have left. And we can bless the world by praying, by saying blessings, by loving, by working to make things better, by writing checks, depending on our temperament and the calling of our soul. 
the poet Marge Piercy has a beautiful way of describing blessing that I'm going to close with. This is a very last part of her poem called The Art of Blessing the Day. But the discipline of blessings is to taste each moment, the bitter, the sour, the sweet, and the salty, and be glad for what does not hurt. The art is in compressing attention to each little and big blossom of the tree of life, to let the tongue sing each fruit, its savor, its aroma, and its use. Attention is love. What we must give children, mothers, fathers, pets, friends, the news, the woes of others. What we want to change, we curse and then pick up a tool. Bless whatever you can with eyes and hands and tongue. If you can't bless it, get ready to make it new. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Bright morning stars are rising. Bright morning stars are rising. Bright morning stars are rising. Day is a-breaking in my soul. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.